Hello, this is Shirley Colmer, and this is our slidecast slash podcast for the uh, genitalia, external female and then external male this week. When you're doing your history uh, that's relevant to the external female genitalia, uh, you want to uh, determine their menstrual history, the date of their last period. Uh, you don't want them to get away with just saying they have a regular period. You actually want to know the date of the last menstrual period, the uh, age of the onset of menarche, and the characteristics of their cycle. Also, um, don't use words like heavy, light, or uh, medium flow. Actually ask them how saturated a, uh, tam uh, a, uh, a napkin is and how often a day they change it. Somebody's light flow can be another person's heavy flow, so you want to have objective uh, measurable data when you are documenting this. You want to ask them about self-care practices. Um, there are still uh, quite a few women who, against uh, the prevailing advice, uh, douche quite frequently, and sometimes they use some odd um, concoctions. So you want to specifically ask about any of these self-care practices. There's also uh, a big trend now toward the bikini waxing, the, br the Brazilians waxing and so forth. Um, and these things can cause problems such as irritation, ingrown hairs, um, wounds, and so forth in that area. So you want to ask them about uh, any of these self-care practices. Ask about urinary symptoms, any frequency, hesitancy, burning. Uh, any contraceptive use, whether they use uh, oral contraceptives, patches, injections, uh, condoms, male or female, um, or any other kind of contraceptive device. Um, ask about their obstetrical history. You want to ask about the gravida, which is the pregnancies in the para, which is the live births. You also want to ask about any abortions, spontaneous or elective. Ask about their sexual activity. Um, if they have any vaginal discharge, it is common for most women to have uh, a, a, white, a clear to white vaginal discharge at certain times during their uh, hormonal cycle. Um, and so you uh, would expect them to report that. Any other kind of uh, discharge or very heavy discharge is, of course, not normal. And ask about any STDs or any history of STDs. This slide shows a... Uh, the external female genitalia. In the slide cast, I'm going to remove the pictures just because this is a public uh, website and I don't want these uh, lectures to be misused. So the pictures will be removed, but for your the pictures that you've printed off in your handout, you'll see that here is a picture of the external female genitalia. Um, and I include this so that you can become familiar with the uh, names of the uh, structures. Um, along the uh, for uh, along the external female genitalia. Start with inspection. We look at the skin color. Um, it should be pink, or in a darker-skinned individual, it should be a, a, a brownish uh, to a very dark brown uh, color. It's smooth and uniform. Um, hair distribution um, by about 13 years old, when puberty starts for most. Uh, teenage girls. There should be an inverted hair triangle that covers the mons pubis uh, and parts of the labia majora. Um, before that there will be um, uh, should be no pubic hair before someone hits puberty and as you age uh, postmenopausally that hair can uh, thin and become uh, turn gray. 
The labia majora is the kind of plump, symmetrical uh, mounds that are around the uh, vaginal opening. Uh, they should be uh, free of uh, cysts, free of lumps, free of ingrown hairs, and should be symmetrical one side to the other. Um, and there should be no lesions, no sebaceous cysts, um, which are somewhat common in the labial area, which are small, yellow, non-tender nodules that are kind of firm. You also want to inspect the clitoris, which is the uh, erectile tissue of the female genitalia, the labia minora, which are the symmetrical structures that are a darker color, uh, either pink or brown, that are inside the labia majora, and the labia majora should cover the labia minora. You want to check the urethral opening. The urethral opening is located um, below the clitoris and above the uh, vaginal opening. And uh, in some uh, rare women, though, sometimes the urethral opening is actually inside the vagina. Um, if you don't see a urethral opening, then you might suspect that this is the case. Um, the va vaginal opening, also known as the introitus, is located beneath the urethral opening. The perineum is actually just that area of skin in between the uh, vagina and the anus. We tend to call the whole area uh, in, the, in there a the perineal area, and in actuality, the perineum is strictly the skin that is between the vagina and the anus. Uh, in someone that has had a uh, vaginal delivery, there may be an episiotomy scar in that area. If it's fresh, of course, you want to assess it as you would a wound. Um, otherwise, you would note its level of healing. Uh, and then you also look for the anus. The anus um, will have an uh, will have increased pigmentation and sometimes some uh, some hair around the outside. Although the actual sphincter of the anus should be hairless. Okay, you want to palpate uh, the area, especially uh, looking for two sets of glands. The first is the skein's glands, which can be located um, inside the vaginal opening. You would milk them, milk the urethra through the vagina to determine if there is any blockage or any uh, discharge coming from the skein's glands. The Bartholin glands are palpated in the labia majora through the vaginal walls. Uh, the video does a very nice job of showing you how this is done. You want to assess both of these sets of glands for tenderness, induration, discharge, pain. Uh, any kind of uncomfortable or uh, unexpected sensations. Both of these glands are secrete um, solutions that help with lubrication and help with the acidity uh, in the uh, vaginal wall. You also want to assess the support of the pelvis musculature. You want to palpate the perineum and uh, the perineum in a nulliparous woman, meaning someone that has not had a, uh, a pregnancy that, w that ended in a vaginal delivery, should be thick and smooth. In a porous woman, it may be thinner and a little more rigid. You want to ask the patient to bear down. Be careful about doing this in cardiac patients as you might stimulate the vagus, um, the vagus nerve or with the Valsalva maneuver. But if in someone that doesn't have a cardiac history, if you ask them to bear down, uh, you should see no bulging or straining or urinary incontinence as a result of this. At this point in the uh, assessment, uh, you would, if you were doing the internal examination, you would complete the uh, PAP uh, examination. The PAP uh, examination includes uh, 
a test for the human papillomavirus, which is why it's called PAP. Uh, and to do this, you take a sample of the cells from the cervix, and they are placed on a slide and fixed with a fixative uh, and then sent to the lab. Um, the the, the uh, video does a very good job of showing you how a PAP test is completed, uh, so I won't go into too much detail here because you're not required to do a, a PAP test and even an internal test for uh, your uh, grade here in Nursing 330. We're doing strictly the external genitalia. However, it is good for our personal knowledge to understand what is occurring during a regular gynecological visit and for a pap smear. As you saw in the video, the, uh, a pap smear it can be um, skewed by the presence of a lubricant. So the only th the the s when the speculum is inserted in order to locate the cervix for the pap smear, the only thing it can be lubricated with is warm water. Um, most places you still use metal speculums, although plastic speculums are becoming more common. Um, in either case, you want to make sure that they're warm, that, that you are uh, making it a comfortable experience for the, for the patient, and that you're providing adequate privacy for them. After a pep smear has been completed, then the bimanual examination would begin. And with a bimanual examination, what would happen is after the the speculum is removed, and as you remove the speculum, you are examining the vaginal walls uh, for any uh, lesions, um, tumors, discharge, areas of abnormal skin, uh, or uh, absence of rugae within the uh, within the vaginal walls. Um, you would then uh, re-glove. You can lubricate your fingers at this point, and you would insert the uh, fingers of your non-dominant hand, the uh, two fingers into the uh, vagina, and place them in the anterior fornix uh, of the cervix. And that is located between the vaginal wall and the anterior portion of that protruding part of the cervix. It gives you a little bit of uh, control over where the uterus actually um, winds up. You then take your dominant hand and place it above the symphysis pubis and uh, press down in an attempt to locate the fundus of the uterus. In a antegraded uterus, which is what's considered to be the normal position for the uterus, um, it is it, the uterus itself is tipped toward the abdomen, toward the umbilicus, and you, you should be able to, in most women, feel the fundus of, a, of the uterus at that point. Um, a retrograde um, uterus is one that is that is tipped back where the fundus is pointing more toward the coccyx than it is toward the umbilicus. In that instance, you may be able to feel the fundus of the, of the uterus during a rectovaginal exam, which we'll talk about in just a minute. Um, and in some instances, you will not be able to feel the fundus of the uterus, either because the uterus isn't positioned in a, in a appropriate uh, place for you to, to be able to feel it, or because the person may be too large uh, in order for you to feel the uh, fundus of the, of the uh, non-expanded uterus. Um, after you have, uh, they've removed the speculum as shows in this slide, um, you can perform the bimanual and then you would also perform the rectovaginal examination. And that is where one finger, the index finger, is usually located in the vagina. 
the middle finger is then inserted into the rectum and the, the thickness, the um, intensity and the um, integrity of the skin in between those two uh, areas is assessed. You also might be able to feel again the uh, fundus of a retrograde um, uh, uterus at that point. Um, at this point, uh, uh, you would be uh, completed with the examination of the of, uh, genitalia. Uh, you would um, ask, uh, help the patient uh, to uh, remove themselves from the stirrups, and you would help them clean uh, any lubricant or any other solutions that may be that may have presented themselves. I did not present a lot of information here about abnormals um, because of the fact that. In Nursing 330, we are learning to do an assessment on a normal individual. However, most uh, women especially have questions about, um, especially about types of vaginal discharge that they might, that might be experienced during an examination. Um, some, uh, like I say, in a, uh, it's perfectly normal for there to be clear or whitish uh, vaginal discharge in smaller amounts uh, throughout a hormonal cycle uh, for a woman. However, large amounts of whitish discharge, especially if it takes on a cottage cheese type of appearance, um, would probably be indicative of a, a yeast infection. Uh, and gray or blackish discharge, especially if it has a fishy smell, is often indicative of a bacterial vaginosis. Either of these two, a yeast infection or a vaginosis, can occur after a woman takes antibiotics uh, where the normal flora of the vagina has been um, altered as a result of beneficial bacteria being killed off by the um, antibiotic and these other uh, either yeast or bacteria taking over. Um, so those, those would need to be addressed. Uh, also, in a yeast infection, the external genitalia uh, often does get uh, red and sore and can have a, a red macular rash, which is a candidus rash, which is, again, is the, is the um, yeast infection. Um, as far as uh, disease prevention for a woman, uh, condoms, of course, are always recommended whenever there is a, you know, a there is a unsta unsure status as far as uh, HIV um, or other um, uh, sexually transmitted diseases. However, remember that a condom can't prevent the spread of certain diseases, such as herpes, if the lesion is not located underneath the condom. Other uh, situations, such as infestations like uh, crabs, lice, scabies, again, um, will not be um, prevented. Neither will a vaginal or um, genital warts in many instances. There is such a thing as a female condom, which is a condom that the woman inserts. It's inserted into the vagina, um, and it creates a barrier between the, the vagina and actually part of the external genitalia. Um, they're not as in common use as the male, but um, I would encourage you to look into those if you are interested. Our practice exam question for this week I have an 11, or excuse me, a 12-year-old uh, female client upon admission to the pediatric unit. Um, she has a small amount of bloody discharge on her underwear, but she has um, denied that she started uh, Menarche, she hasn't started her period yet. What should you do next? Should you A, ask the mother to step out for a moment and ask the patient about the bloody discharge you observed? B, tell the patient and her mother that you saw the blood on her underwear? 
C. Perform an internal speculum exam. Or D. Assume that you were mistaken. The correct answer in this is actually A. Um, the 12-year-old girl may not admit to sexual activity or to other uh, situations such as abuse that might have caused um, bloody discharge in a non-menstruating 12-year-old in front of her parents. Um, however, it is often difficult to remove a parent from a room in these instances, and if this were my child, I would probably not want to leave the room myself. So in some instances, you may need to resort to B, which is to basically uh, confront the parents and say, you know, the parent and the child say, well, you say you haven't started your, your periods, but I see there's blood in your underwear, you know, what's going on there? Um, and then try to uh, interview the, the child and the mother at the same time. Obviously, you would not be performing a speculum exam, and you certainly do not want to um, uh, ignore a situation such as this. Um, again, this will be posted as both a slidecast and a podcast. For those of you that have iPods or other MP3 players, don't forget that you can subscribe to the podcast by scrolling down the, um, the website where our podcasts are housed, and there's a little button on the bottom uh, right-hand side of the screen that says subscribe to these podcasts in, on iTunes. Click on there, and then these podcasts will show up in your iTunes library, and you can sync them or um, to your iPod without any difficulty, or you can have them discoverable by Windows Media Player for another type of um, uh, MP3 player other than an iPod. If you have any questions about the material, please do not hesitate to contact me.